0: Asalaamu Alaikum, Shaykh. Asalaamu Alaikum. Trying to check my volume. Mm -hmm. Yes. How is your volume? Is it okay? Yeah, I can hear you now. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Okay, we're going to start, and we're just going to go straight shot until maybe like 7.50. These days, Maghrib is a little bit tricky, but uh, let's just do it, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. Alrighty, so this one. Uh, Okie there we go, This bismillah. bismillah. Alright. Bismillah ar الله ar Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Ya ya fatah binuri min Ya Bismillah. We left off on 231. This means, useful knowledge is that whose light rays spread into the chest and tear away the veil from the heart. So again, this is kind of continuing on the theme that began last time about the blessing of Allah in the wadid that comes upon the heart of the person and how when that comes upon the heart of the person, it extinguishes everything else and it takes away everything else and it leaves only their relationship with Allah. And so he says, uh, this useful knowledge, لِلْمُ النَّافِعِ and a part of the du'a of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, is he used to say, Allahumma inni as'anuka na naafi'ah. Oh o Allah, I ask you for knowledge that is beneficial. And he used to make du'a of protection from knowledge that is not beneficial. Wa na'udhu min ilmin la We seek refuge in you from knowledge which does not benefit. From knowledge which does not benefit. So this is a really important concept.
1: I'm hesitant
0: to labor too much, but I think that it's important uh, to recognize that our way is a way of intention and our way is a way of uh, intention and our way is a way of trying to do that which is best And to do that, and to pay attention to the long-term consequences of the things that we do. So it's not just you do whatever you feel like, but that there should be some sort of purpose in it. And so knowledge is very similar, that we don't seek knowledge just for the sake of it. We seek it because there's some sort of benefit in it. And here we have to be very careful because we live in a time where our access to information is extremely high that information does not always translate into actual knowledge nor does it necessarily translate into sort of any sort of practice nor does it necessarily translate into anything beneficial and so we have to be very careful you know what is this knowledge that we have and why are we, that we're seeking and why is it that we're seeking it and what sort of benefit does it have? And also the guidance of the Prophet is that uh, to leave things which do not concern us is from the good of our Islam, it's from the beauty and excellence of our Islam. In hasni Islam, in the good of one is, one's Islam is to leave that which does not concern them. So, what benefit does the knowledge have whichever type of knowledge this is of course the knowledge of the quran the knowledge of the hadith the knowledge of the religion these are for the most part in and of themselves knowledge that's beneficial although a person may use them to unbeneficial ends and um, this is discussed at length actually in a text that I've been part of a class in recently on uh, a text by Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, rahimahullah taala, called Fadlu al-Masalif Misallif Inman Khalif, or some variations of that title, which is on the on the merit of the knowledge of the early generations in comparison to the knowledge of the later generations of the Muslims. And part of the way of the Sahaba was that they were very particular on this point. So here Ibn Attal alaihaddi Allahu taala anhu nafal Allahu bi darin He's saying that the beneficial knowledge is the one that, when it's deposited into the heart, it's it causes illumination that removes all of the veils. It causes illumination that removes all of the veils. It of the veils. It's like when you have a certain moment of clarity. Things are very clear in that moment. Al Junaidul Taala Anhu, Imam al Ta'ifa, the Imam of the People of Ihsan, he said, "Almu an ta'rifa Rabbak, wa la ta'adu." He said, knowledge is to know your Lord and to not overstep the boundaries of your qadr. Do not seek to go beyond the boundaries of your qadr. Or you could say, uh, and to know your position, your rank, your personal rank. Like know who Allah is and know who you are. Know who Allah is and know who you are. Yeah, to know who you are, to treat people properly, correctly, and to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then he continues this concept in the next one, and he says, The best knowledge is that which is accompanied by God-fearingness. The best knowledge is that which is accompanied by God-fearingness. And of course, this is in line directly with the verse in the Qur'an, min al-ulama." Those who have true fear of Allah from amongst His servants, those people are the people of knowledge. They have a true fear of Allah, those are the people of true knowledge. That's what knowledge really is. You know, right now, I can't recall if I prayed asana or not. I know that I was going to put the rice on, and then I was going to pray asana. And I put the rice on, and I do not believe that I prayed asana. And so I know that I hadn't prayed it and I'm not sure if I had prayed it. And so that means that I have to go with the assumption that I have not prayed it. So I will be back. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry about that. The ones who have the true knowledge of Allah is the knowledge that's expressed in fear and wariness of Allah or awareness. Uh, this is actually fear that's being used here. Or awe. use awe as well. But that's one of the signs. One of the poets, they said, لَوْ كَانَ مِنْ دُونِ لَكَانَ أَفْضُلَ خَنْقِ اللَّهِ إِبْلِيسٌ Said, if knowledge without taqwa, if knowledge without God consciousness was an honor, then the greatest of God's creation would have been Satan. Because in our tradition, Satan knew God he had lots of knowledge his problem was not knowledge his problem was that he thought he was better than someone else how <laughs> relevant is that one that's one alone an 233 in qaranatu an-khashyatu falak wa illa if knowledge is accompanied by god-fearingness it is for your favor else it is to your detriment so again this is building on the one that came before it wa in the commentary shaykh abdul majid ash-shannubi رحمه ta'ala تعالى nafa'allahu ya abu yunus fi dawani hisas amin wa qalaum mathal man qata' al-awqat fi tanab 'ilmi Yata Alam 40 aw 50 sanah yata'allam wa la ya'mal mudda إِذَا sala. So he says the example of one who spends all of their time seeking knowledge to the point that they spend 40 or 50 years in seeking knowledge, but they don't act upon it. They don't do anything about it. They're like the one who goes and sits to make wudu. And they make wudu for 40 years or 50 years. They just keep repeating it over and over and over again, but they don't actually pray. Because the goal or the intent behind knowledge is action. And the intent behind purification is to pray. But they didn't even pray one rakah. They just kept making their wudu, making their wudu, making their wudu, making their wudu. Where's the action? 234, he says, متى آلمك عدم إقبال الناس عليك او توجهم بالذم اليك فرجع الى علم الله فيك فان كان لا يقنعك انه فمصيبتك بعدم قناعتك بعلمه اشد من مصيبتك بوجود الاذى منه He says when you are pained by people turning away from you or directing blame towards you suffice yourself with god's knowledge of you if you are not satisfied with his knowing of you then you are not being satisfied with his knowing is a greater misfortune than people hurting you so the person feels like they're not known people aren't recognizing them people aren't appreciating them or perhaps people are blaming them so whatever the situation is then know that Allah is well aware of what's going on outside of you and inside of you. And if that knowledge is not sufficient for you, then you have a bigger problem than what you're complaining about from the people. (laughs) And the problem is bigger than the one that is being seen from the people. It's bigger than that because there's a lack of understanding of... uh, of who Allah subhanahu wa taala is. Two thirty-five. Inna ma ajral atha ala aidhim kayla ta'kuna saakinan ilayhim. Arada an yuz kulli shay hadla yashgala ka shay. This is a really interesting one. Says he only made injury flow from their hands onto you, so that you would not find rest in them. He wants to push you away from everything so that nothing busies you away from him. So if you remember the one that came a couple hikam ago that said basically that Allah made the world the way that it is because in doing so, he pushes us towards him. So he was saying that in general about the dunya, about the world. Now Ibn Atta'ala is going even more specific that sometimes that he'll cause injury to, come to you on the hands of somebody or people or whatever it may be and okay. and so that you don't actually find rest in them you don't find your dependency in them the, the, so the challenge that's the difficulty that's come your way is to push you back to allah is to push us back to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, so that so that he wants to push you away from everything so that you find so that nothing busies you away from him subhanahu wa ta'ala qala abu al-hasan al-shaduli radiyallahu ta'ala anhu aadhani insanul marra fadiktu dhar'an bidhanik fanimtu fanimtu faraitu let me just update this real quick fanimtu فَرَأَيْتُ يُقَالُ لِي مِنْ أَعْلَامَةِ أَصْدِّيقِيَةِ كَثْرَةُ أَعْدَائِهَا ثُمَّ لَا يُبَالِي بِهِمْ So he said, somebody harmed me one time. Somebody harmed me. And I was feeling kind of down about that. Diktu. I, I felt like constricted about it. So I went to sleep and in my sleep, I saw a dream. And in that dream, it was said to me, the sign of As-Siddiqiyya. as is like a maqam. It's the station with Allah of the one who was absolutely truthful in their servitude to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's basically named after Abu Bakr As-Siddiq, radiallahu anhu. So this station says the sign of the person who's in this station is that they have a lot of enemies. And on top of that, that they have no concern for them. In the sense of like they're not worried about them. Not for them, but from them. They, they have a lot of enemies, and those enemies don't bother them because it's not, you know, it's not an issue in the first so they're not paying attention to that. Um, only paying attention to Allah. 236. If you know with certainty, oh, when you know that the devil does not forget about you, do not forget about him in whose hand is your forelock. So you know that the devil doesn't say, Shaytan shaitan doesn't forget about you. So you and I don't forget about the one who controls everything about us, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, he said, من بين ايديهم من بين ايديهم Yani, uh, This is on the... Uh, this is about shaitan, Right? من بين أيديهم أشككهم في آخرتهم ومن خلفهم أرغيبهم في دنياهم وعن إيمانهم أشبه عليهم أمر دينهم 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 وعن شمائلهم أزين لهم المعاصي وأحقق لهم وأحقق لهم الباطل. So شيطان about شيطان from in front of them I cause them to have doubt as to their hereafter. And from behind them, I encourage them towards their worldly pursuits. And on their right sides, I make shubha for them about their religion. I, may, I cause them to have doubts in their religion. And on their left side, I make their sins beautiful for them. And I try to encourage them towards falsehood. From all of these sides, shaitan is acting. wallahu مُحِيْتٌ wallahu مُحِيْتٌ Allah is مُحِيْتٌ He's encompassing of everything subhanahu wa ta'ala dhunayn al-misri radiallahu ta'ala anhu he said in kana huwa yaraku min haythu tarahu fa inna allaha yaraahu min haythu la yara allahu fasta'in billahi ali says about shaitan because it says in the quran that the jinn they see us from where we do not see them uh you know they see us and we don't see them so one of the highest people he said basically although he satan can see you and you cannot see him then allah can see him from where he cannot see allah so seek your aid in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek your aid in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is extremely important, by the way. I think, you know, we have a very material-facing society and civilization. And so sometimes these issues related to the unseen don't always get the same level of attention. And yet they are important. And they are real. So, you know, engaging in some sort of dhikr or remembrance uh, that will enable the person to seek protection from these evil things uh, in the morning and the evening which can be found in the works of the sunnah it's very important Allah protect us and our and our loved ones Amen. 237 he only made the devil an enemy so that he would drive you towards him so again, this thing that's in the existence—it's meant to drive us towards Allah, and He made your lower self move you to do bad, so that your approaching and repenting to Him would never cease. So He put these faculties in us and around us, and these things around us. Put Shaitan in the world. Shaitan in the world—it's interesting because, like, you read Robert Greene, right? Uh, shay- the the archetype of Shaitan in in our physical world. <laughs> never mind i probably shouldn't say that <laughs> sometimes you get into politics and then people get distracted and they, they you know they get mad at you because maybe they voted for someone that they shouldn't have voted for and now they're mad at you but in any case um <clears throat> just think about this the robert green in his book war says that one of the, the first strategy is to declare your enemy first strategy in war is to declare your enemy. To figure out who your enemy is and know your enemy. shaitan الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُمْ عَدُونَ فَاتَّخِذُهُ عَدُوًّا Allah said, Shaytan is your enemy, take him as your enemy. <clears throat> so, uh, the existence of Shaytan then, it actually it forces us, if we're going to be in battle with Shaytan, it forces us to pay attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah is our protection against shaitan. And so now the, the necessity of this battle, in a sense, opens up the door for that coming closer to Allah. And then our natu- our, our, our human states and desires and needs and so on and so forth, then the, the constant uh, paying attention to that and trying to refine that is also a means by which we continuously draw nearer to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. 238 Men eth betali nefsihi towadu an fahu al mutekabiru hakah. If the illa an rifah, fameta eth betali nefsi ke towadu an faenten mutekabiru hakah. Fenten mutekabir. In mine it says fenten mutekabir. In any case, it's the same meaning. Whoever asserts that he is humble is in reality arrogant. As humbleness is a high state. Mm-hmm. That's not a good translation. And if you assert for yourself a high state, you are arrogant. No, that's not a good translation at all. خير, <laughs> uh, it's okay. Here's a, here's a, here's the concept that's trying to be said. Humility humility in Arabic it, it part of the challenge in this is that uh, the Arabic the family of meanings that the Arabic word comes from helps to paint the picture so which is translated as humility has a meaning of going from higher to lower it has a meaning of going from higher to lower so it says id laysa because humility cannot occur illa an it cannot occur except from a position position of elevation So this is not what it says here <laughs> as humbleness is a high state that's not what it says saying humi- because humility and humbleness can come tawadu the actual word cannot exist if there's not a dissension from a place of elevation. So if you're saying that you're, if, if one is claiming that they're humble, then in the same statement of claiming humility, they also claimed it, that they were actually higher than that and they came down. And so now, hopefully that makes sense a little bit. So that's why it's saying, because because if you assert for yourself, and this is not even, if, if you assert for yourself a high state, that's not what it says. إِذَا li لِنَفْسِكَ tawadu'an. If you assert for yourself a humbleness, then actually you're arrogant because you've you asserted that in asserting your humbleness, you also asserted that you actually deserve to be at a higher level and you came down from that level out of your humility. But so you're saying actually that you're that you're arrogant. <laughs> uh قال in the commentary. Shibli also is one of these famous early Muslims. So this is these are the signs. So Shibli said, because the person who sees themselves as humble, uh, someone who sees themselves to have any like inherent value, then they don't have any humility. He doesn't mean this in a sense of like we have self-hate. He means this in the sense that the person must recognize that everything that they have is from Allah. It's not from themselves. And so since everything that they have is from Allah and it's not from themselves, they can't see that they have anything in the first place. If they thought they had something, then they would have to come down from that position and they wouldn't that, that would be a forced humility, but not a real humility. So what is the sign of the person who actually has humility? And لَا يَغْضَبْ إِذَا That they do not become angry if they are criticized. وَلَا يَكْرَهْ أَنْ يُذَمَّ أَوْ And they don't mind if people say bad things about them. وَلَا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ عَنْدَ And they have no kind of like um, efforts towards having a position of respect and like station with the people. It's not their concern at all. That's the sign of that. What? Abu Yazid, another one of these early uh, people who is really famous, Abu Yazid al Bustami. He said that the person is the servant does not attain. The characteristic, or, or if the servant thinks that there's anyone in the creation who's worse than them, then they're arrogant. So when do they have humility? They have humility when they don't see that themselves have any station at all. It's a very severe thing. So again, it's hard for us sometimes because I think for us when we hear that, we create a, a, a mulazima. We create like a, I don't know how to translate that in English. Like mulazima is when you attach something together. They use it sometimes for like an appendix. There's uh, a mulazim. So we create like this relationship between our, like for us, if we hear that, we think that means that we have to hate ourselves. And for them, it's actually the complete opposite. They'll 100% believe this. And at the same time, 100% affirm their own dignity. And that Allah created them And they have honor And so on and so forth Even if they might give it up But They believe that they have it It's not like There's no self-hate involved in it Interesting Because I think sometimes When we have statements uh, Like this When you hear people say things like this They always think This comes from like Some sort of modern Sell out Islam, you know. This is not what our Islam was is actually about. I'm going to bring you these stories of like battles and whatever. Well, this is a statement from Sheikh Abdul Majid al He's not that far in the past, maybe 100, 150 years. So he's, he's still pretty recent. I forget exactly when he died. Um, but he's, you know, I would consider him classical still in a sense. And he was like, he was a big sheikh in Azhar, and so on, and so on, and so forth. He said, and he's quoting the past, so he's not even saying it himself, he's quoting the past just in general. Some of them they said, it's not permissible for a person to see that they have any sort of like special merit over another person, even if they're a disbeliever, even if they're a disbeliever. Like, even if the other person is a disbeliever, you still can't see that you have some merit over them. لِأَمْ Li So, because there's no protection from the ending. You don't know what your ending is going to be. And you don't know what their ending is going to be. It's the same thing from the hadith and the 40 hadith about how the person... Uh, will do the good deeds of the people of Paradise until they're right up to Paradise, and then they'll do the deeds of the people of Hellfire, and they die on that. And the opposite: the person will do the deed of the people of Hellfire up until right before their death, and then right at their right at the time of their death, right before the time of their death, they do the peop- deeds of the people of Paradise. to become from those. Because The ending is important, and we don't know what the ending will be. So, the point here is that we shouldn't look down on other people, we shouldn't think that we're better on, than other people, and recognize that everything is from Allah. So, he said that this, this is really focus, puts you with your focus completely on Allah. Then he gives an example of this. The next one. <laughs> The humble person does not see himself above what he does, but sees himself below what he does. Okay, so he gives the example. So this is the first possibility. So the person comes to a gathering and they sit down at the back of the gathering. And they see about themselves that they deserve to sit in the front, but they've decided to do less. And so, out of their humility, they've decided to do less. If they did that, they're actually arrogant. And as for the one who comes to the gathering, and they sit in the end of the, the back of the gathering, And they think to themselves that this is actually more than they deserve Then that's the person actually who has humility So he says here, the humble person does not see himself above what he does But sees himself below what he does So the first one who came in and sat in the back and was like, "MashaAllah, I'm so humble today I deserve to sit in the front, but I'm sitting in the back That's the one who saw himself above what they did Whereas the other one who sat in the back and thought to himself, and actually did deserve to sit in the front, but thought to himself, I don't even deserve to sit here. I should, I should sit further back. Then they, that's actual humility. Uh, there's a statement I, I read recently about Sheikh Taala, who was a very famous commentator on the Quran in the modern period, who literally millions of people used to listen to his tafsir live. Because it would be broadcasted and like the whole country would shut down. Because you know, everyone's sitting down in front of their TV to watch, subhanAllah. When if you wanted to watch something, you had to watch it live. And so you were experiencing it with other people, not on your own timing. So anyways, about the sheikh is that someone, one of the people who knew him from a long time said, that they saw from him over and over again that they would go to gatherings and he would always sit like somewhere towards the back. He would never speak. He didn't have anything to say. He would just sit and join the gathering and let other people talk and so on. And so on. Not let other people, let other people talk, everything else. And the person who's telling the story said they think that that's the secret and why Allah gave him so much ability to speak and gave him so many people who wanted to hear what he said was because of his humility. He didn't even, he would come in these gatherings, even though he was the most knowledgeable person, probably in them, he wouldn't see that he has any business speaking in the first place. Love forgive us. What if we downplay ourselves so much that we do not do anything at the end thinking we are not good enough to do things? Yeah, that's a good question. You see, this should not infringe upon our responsibilities right. so like i'm too you know i'm not good enough to do this i'm not good enough to do that we, there's things we still need to do we have responsibilities to our families we have responsibilities to our communities we have responsibilities to the world around us and uh we're still responsible to those things and uh so we may feel like It's not always about what we think Right So If you take like what Malik said Imam Malik said I didn't give fatwa until 70 of the people of Medina Said that I could 70 of the scholars of Medina said that I could So he could have said No I'm not good enough But eventually all of these people said That he's good enough and he needs to do it And um you know, we have responsibilities and we do them out of the responsibility. Um, and we are capable of doing things. You know, we shouldn't turn this into a paralysis. We cannot turn this into a paralysis. Allah, help us. Um, so we have to balance it a little bit. At-tawadu huwa ma kana nashi'an. عَنْ عَظَمَتِهِ So this is maybe also something that will help. التواضع الحقيقي هو مَا كَانَ نَاشِئًا عَنْ So where is it going to come from then? Where is the true humility going to come from? Where is the true humility going to come from? Real humbleness issues from 4th, from witnessing his tremendousness and lofty attributes. Real humbleness issues forth from witnessing his tremendousness and lofty attributes. Um, So basically this is saying in the next one after it's going to say it too Is that We don't attain humility Only by like being like Oh I'm just so worthless That's not how we attain humility We attain humility By recognizing how great Allah is And so what Allah tells us to do We do And we don't like Uh you know, the humility doesn't come from hating ourselves. It comes from loving Allah and knowing that Allah is la illa billah, and that Allah is powerful, and that Allah is knowledgeable, and that Allah is merciful, and that and that, and that and that and that all of these things. There's a question within marriages and families: Is praise okay in order to encourage one another? Yet we do fear becoming too attached to people's praise. Yes, we should praise people. There's nothing wrong with like praising people, especially if like they did something or there's, you know, it's not like every single time we see them, mashallah, every time they open their mouth, mashallah, you're the smartest person on earth. Mashallah, like not quite like that. But um, yesterday in the shemat in class, we had that description of the Prophet uh, where it said that he would not accept praise except in response to something that was done. So... You know, maybe you help someone and they say, thank you. That was very helpful of you. I appreciate it. Alhamdulillah, There's nothing wrong with that, but it should be in response to something, right? And uh, and then that's for the person who's giving it. For the person who's receiving it, you know, we try not to become too attached to it. We try to stay focused on the principle, but these things also like human beings, we, we, we like, it's okay to be natural about human relationships. And they just have ihsan in them to try to do what's best in them. La Yukhrijuka Wasfi Illa Wasf. La Illa Shuhul Wasf. You cannot leave your attributes without seeing his attributes. You cannot leave your attributes without seeing his attributes. So what does that mean? He gives a hard one there. He says you will not be taken out of your base base nafsi egotistical attributes except by witnessing the divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if you haven't witnessed his majesty and his grandeur and his might and all of these kind of things then don't fool yourself for a second in thinking that you have any sort of true humility so stay in your lane and know your limits and don't claim to be something that you're not <laughs> He says, that's what the Shaykh says here in the commentary. He gives you very hard. But the point is, again, this idea that if one is to attain true humility, they attain true humility through witnessing God. Through witnessing God. That's how we, we attain it. We see Allah's grandeur. We see Allah's might. We see Allah's power. Like that feeling you get when you go somewhere like the Grand Canyon, you know, or Yosemite, or these other beautiful places where the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so clear. And and what does the person feel in themselves is just like a, a meagerness, a humility that they wouldn't feel otherwise. Right. So that's how you get it. That's how we get it. I'm worried about the time for the salah. Okay. Uh Layuchrijuka okay, I did that. Al Mu'many Jgalu Huatana wa alullahi an anya kunali na fsihi shakira. The believer is busied by the praise of God from being regardful of himself And he is busied by the rights of God from remembering his selfish shares So what is the state of the believer? The believer is so busy praising Allah that they can't praise themselves You know, a lot of people were like that You know, we do something like, mashallah, I did that thing, that thing was really good I really did that good thing. I really accomplished that thing that was really amazing. So we spend all this time making dhikr of ourselves. We make the remembrance of ourselves and praising ourselves and everything else. The believer is so busy with the praise of Allah that they can't remember themselves. And they're so busy with the rights of Allah that they're, that, that occupies them from thinking about their own needs. So to speak, like I need this and I need that and my right is this and my right is that and so on and so forth. They're worried about their responsibilities. They're too worried about their responsibilities to claim their rights. Can that lead to some sort of oppression and so on. Yeah, there's extreme Possibilities in there, but the general idea is that the individual is more preoccupied with their responsibilities than they are with their rights. 243. The true lover is not he who hopes for compensation or seeks his own aim from his beloved. Rather, the lover spends himself on his beloved. The lover is not he who expects his beloved to spend on him. This is, what is love? This is about, this is about our love, our love Relationship with Allah What does it mean to love? To love is To not seek anything from the beloved Rather to just give ourselves over to the beloved We Don't seek from Allah We just give ourselves to Allah Spend ourselves on Allah قالوا أبو عبد الله القرشي حقيقة المحبة أنتهب كلك لمن أحببتهم حتى لا يبقى لك منك شيء. أبو عبد الله القرشي، he said رضي الله عنه، the true reality of love is to give yourself entirely to the one whom you love، to the point that nothing remains from you for yourself. Nothing remains from you for yourself. Give all of yourself to your beloved. This, of course, anytime they're talking about love, they're talking about Allah. This is what we do with Allah. This is what we do with the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Any love that we give to others is under that love and cannot supersede that love or cause an imbalance in our love of Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And two forty-four. Lola mayadin and nufus, we'll stop on this one because it's beautiful. Lola mayadin and nufus ma hakaka se sa'irin. Iv la safeta baineka wabena who had the rihlatuk, ha rehlat. Wala kuta atta baina kawabaina who had the tem wuslatuk. So he says, if it were not for the battlefields of the lower selves there would be no travel for the travelers on the path. Since there is no distance between you and him that your journey would shorten. And there is no separation between you and him that your reaching him would eliminate. So this is what? If it wasn't for mayadin and nufus, mayadin and nufus is like the battleground of ourselves, the battlefield of our lower selves, the battle against our anger and our arrogance and our selfishness and all of these type of things. If it wasn't for that battleground There's no path actually to even be traveled For those who are traveling on the path towards God Because there's no distance between us and God in the first place And there's no separation between us and Him in the first place It's only because of that preoccupation of the battlefield of the self That there's anything there in the first place Otherwise there's nothing there And of course in this context it's always reminiscent of Rabbi Al-Adawiyah where uh, one of the righteous people, he said, if you keep knocking on the door, eventually there will be an answer. And he was saying this about Allah. Like, you keep knocking on the door, eventually you'll get to Allah. You keep trying, eventually you'll get to Allah. And Rabi, she, re- she heard this and she responded to him saying, like, what are you talking about? There's no door. Like... <laughs> Why are you knocking on the door? The door doesn't even exist. There's nothing. It's just doing a Allah. Allah's is right there. There's no There's no journey. It's just Allah. But the journey is trying to get through all of the clouds. It's like um, you see that sometimes in like cartoons, you know, where there's someone who's trying to like go somewhere. And then a little like battle comes out and the cloud goes up. The huge cloud goes up, goes up, goes up, goes up. Goes up and they walk into the cloud. And everyone else is like fighting each other and everything And then they just take one step and they're outside the cloud And they're on the other side and everyone, the battle's still going on It's like that, you know The battle is there, like everything's happening The nafs is happening, everything is happening But then it's just not there actually in the end So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Make things easy for us, inshallah So we'll stop here, inshallah In 245 Uh, There's 264 so Alhamdulillah, we're um, I've actually never read this book with with um like in a in a teaching setting to the end. Like I've started teaching it in different places but we never finished it. So I'm excited for this opportunity with you all. Alhamdulillah <laughs> bin Anameen. If there's nothing that's pressing, we can break for Maghrib inshallah. Let's see. Safe travels, Uncle Charlie. On the, uh, looks like, mass transit. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Alrighty. We'll see you all when we see you, inshallah. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Stay safe out there. Assalamu alaikum.